Rye Smile Films presents The Shot. And now here are your hosts, Matt and Jesse. Welcome to The Shot, Rye Nation. We've got an exciting midweek episode for you this week. We're going to tackle comedy insofar as comedic actors. So the question that we posed or are going to tackle this week is, if you could create a Mount Rushmore of comedy with five faces on it, Mm -hmm. who would your five characters be? A couple of rules here. Um... Just about anything within reason goes. Uh, so if you're going to sway between genres, that's fine. And I think established um, roles will also work. So maybe we'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, did you have a tough time coming up with five specific or did you come to this pretty easy? Five specific is going to be interesting how I define specific. Yeah. But uh, it was actually kind of easy because I kind of I started chronologically like at the beginning of cinema, the television media, and I kind of worked my way up through the decades and I kind of picked people out that have had a profound impact on how I view comedy and which comedies appeal to me more. So it was kind of a trip through the decades for me. No, that's certainly part of it is the characters that you like too. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, one of the things that was tough on this was there's a couple people that I didn't include because I can't stand them anymore. Like they've just gone so far off the rails. They might've made it a decade ago, but I can't put them on there anymore. Namely Jim Carrey and Will Ferrell. Yeah. I don't have a lot of modern actors, actresses on there just because what I picked has such a legacy unto itself. Mm -hmm. I almost need to see what today's current trend of comedy, how that plays out in the decades and decades to come couple honorable mentions I'd like to kind of put out there. There's no denying you just mentioned it right now. I, I, I thought about Jim Carrey and man, did he have a great run there in the nineties between Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, Liar, Liar, a turn in Batman forever. Like he was on it like mm-hmm. for quite a bit. And another one I want to throw out there too for myself is Steve Carell. Uh, whether he, you know, starting on, um, on the, the Today Show, John Stewart, Anchorman, The Office, uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin. I, he has an interesting kind of style of comedy. And I even like him in his serious films, too, when he dabbles into that. So Dan in real life. Mm-hmm. Foxcatcher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are some honorable mentions for myself. Well, I'm going to kick it off. Go ahead. I'm going to go right in at number five. All righty. And I'm going to give you... Someone that's classic Hollywood too. Number five for me is Jack Lemmon. Excellent. Jack Lemmon um, shows his chops in a lot of different films. And I know most people know him from Some Like It Hot, and you can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. But when you add The Apartment in there, and later The Odd Couple and Grumpy Old Men, and then Irma LaDuce, and then we just keep on going with all of these. But then there's also moments in his career where we see him really do a good job with drama. Um, there's a movie out there called Shortcuts, mm-hmm. which I bet a lot of people haven't seen. He has maybe the best six minutes in his career that's not comedy in that film. I don't want to give it away, and that movie's not a comedy. Yeah, the movie's slice of life, kind of in the middle of um, an earthquake in L.A., and you're following five or six different stories at the same time. I believe it's Robert Altman. Um, Robert right? Altman, yeah. yeah. But number five for me is Jack Lemmon. He has a very friendly, welcoming 
yet aware of what's around him, manner in which he delivers his comedy. And I can just about watch him in anything time and time and time again. So that's my number five. Okay. So did you rank yours five to one? I did. Okay. But that's okay. You don't have to. Just as long as you have five, that's fine. Yeah, because if I kind of picture my Mount Rushmore, they all kind of made it up here, and I kind of see them all as equals with different skills. (laughs) So to speak, kind of like the real Mount Rushmore. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So the first one I'm going to go with, um, classic silent actor. I have to go with Charlie Chaplin. Um, As film becomes its own medium and it's trying to figure itself out, one of the things that played well was horror, which we've talked about a lot, but also comedy played really well too because the ability to pantomime and do, you know, slapsticky type of actions on the screen. And I don't think there's any denying that the person that was best at that was Charlie Chaplin. And talk about a man that had a very interesting life. Have you, have you seen The Chaplin with Robert Downey Jr.? I have. He's really good in that too. Mm-hmm. Whether it's The Gold Rush or Modern Times or City Lights or The Kid. A chaplain just had a, a unique style of humor, the lovable tramp who, uh, you talk about depression era type of character too. Like it, it always kind of thought that like his toe was popping out of like his shoe and like his little wobbly cane. But the amount of sympathy he was able to kind of get across with no audible dialogue until his later films is just remarkable to me. He had such a knack for in quick little moments giving a wry smile. Yes or a glancing look that just could carry the weight of the entire film. Yeah. I think bright lights is the one that comes to mind where he's on the street corner and that gal walks by and he oh, kind of city lights, city lights. Yeah. There you go. And that, that moment in that movie's worth a million dollars. There's three kind of highlighted moments I wanted to, to pick out. One is in modern times, the, the food eating machine. Oh, it's, it's incredible. And he directed a lot of these too, which I forgot to say. Mm-hmm. In the Gold Rush, when he does the the little bread roll dance, and then in the kid, when the kid is abducted, or not abducted, but taken by the police, and the look of terror on the kid, and then the kind of moment that they have between each other is incredible. And yeah, this is, we're in 19, cinema is but 20 years old at this point. Do you consider that... Or like the Keystone Cops part of comedy, more an essential piece of slapstick. Definitely. Yeah. Which one? Which one do you think is more important, Chaplin or the Keystone Cops? Chaplin. Chaplin. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's where that's born. Mm-hmm. Such a comedic demeanor in which he carried out his stuff was so well done. Oh yeah. Number four. Mm-hmm. Somebody pretty contemporary. It's actually Ryan Reynolds. I love his deadpan. And everybody's like, well, yeah, Deadpool, but it's not Deadpool. It's um, The Proposal, and I mean, I guess we could go Van Wilder, but definitely maybe. Like, those aren't great movies. Change up. Not a great movie, (laughs) but he's really good in it. Yeah. And what I really like with him is if you catch him in his (laughs) war that he's on Instagram with Hugh Hugh Jackman. Oh, that's great. I love that. And all that's off the cuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, you could do waiting and we could just, I, to me, he is naturally a funny character. Yeah. Um, so much so that in some ways I have a little bit harder time buying him in dramatic roles. Sure. Where I don't with Jack Lemmon, uh, maybe it's just longevity, but you, Ryan Reynolds to is, I think riotous funny. Number this is good. This is going to sound absolutely insane, but his type of like delivery with the Deadpool character, you know, who it reminds me a lot of is Leslie Nielsen. Oh yeah. 
he was born to kind of give that deadpan serious delivery and and Reynolds does that so well especially in Deadpool and he was born to play that character yeah mm-hmm. so there's my four excellent okay where you at all right I'm still sticking in the black and white times here now we're incorporating sound a little bit and now we're getting a little more vaudevillian with with the type of comedy so I'm actually gonna go with a troop of brothers uh four of them the Marx brothers now, this is Groucho, Harpo, Chico, and Zeppo. And they kind of bailed on Zeppo and then continued on into the 40s. But all four of them kind of have interesting roles. Zeppo's kind of the foil. He's always the romantic love interest of whatever plot is happening. Uh, Harpo is the is the mute who's an incredibly talented musician. There's always a harp sequence, and it's, it's incredible in each one of their films. Chico's like the con man uh, of, of the group. And then Groucho's just kind of like, he's the wild card. And I kind of don't know where to pin him, but their type of comedy that is now incorporating dialogue and play on words is, um, it's always been fascinating to me. And a lot of that was written. A lot of it was improvised, just off the cuff. And the fact that they created these iconic characters that they carried on through the 30s and 40s is pretty remarkable to me. They're the feature film version of one of my other injuries, but... There's a scene, the standout scene for me for them has always been in Duck Soup where Groucho's got this like nightgown on with this little little night like lamp and he runs into Harpo who's also put the same getup on and they do this play in front of a mirror but there's not a mirror there because the mirror broke and their ability to totally play off each other which is something that they did in the scene is remarkable. If you haven't seen that sequence you got to check that out. That's going back a ways, man. You are way, way back in the time yeah. machine. But um, but this is interesting, too, because this is where comedies hit me there early and as a young kid. And that's weird. Like, not a lot of seven, eight-year-olds are watching Marx Brothers films. You know what I mean? Let's talk about that because I know why, but I bet the rest of Ride, Ride Nation doesn't. So mm-hmm. why is that? Why did you find such enjoyment in that very physical brand of comedy. I, I just, there was something, um, ask me that, uh, come back to okay. that in the very next intro. All right. <laughs> yeah. Number three. Yes. This can't really surprise you. Peter Sellers. Yeah. I love Peter Sellers and I love Peter Sellers for the movie that isn't the one that everyone else loves. Like everybody talks about strange love. I hate that film. I he, hate it. He's good in that though. Sufferable. He's good. Okay. Yeah. Um. I don't, I don't find it funny. I think it's, preposterably absurd. <laughs> I hate it when the character plays 15 different people in the same movie. That is not my cup of tea mm-hmm. for everything that that movie isn't for me is everything that being there is. We talked a lot about his, his chops and how talented he was with his pink Panther stick, whether it's shot in the dark or all of those pink Panther iterations, a very troubled man who was fighting some serious demons for a lot of his career. He's really good in lady killers, which is kind of a average film mm-hmm. and best. That's about as physical with my comedy as I can get. Yeah. And if you've seen Shot in the Dark, it's pretty slapsticky in a lot of ways. But he's such a natural, is such a natural choreography in the way that he lets the comedy kind of wash through him and sort of flow through him kind of like a rhythm, like he's dancing. And if you doubt me, look at the pool cue scene in that movie. That was great. 
There's no way. Go listen to that episode. Right, go listen to that episode. Yeah, yeah. There's no way that's choreographed. That's all in the moment, not blocked out. Let it happen. Well, I loved in every subsequent Pink Panther entry, whenever it was always within the first 20 minutes, he'd have like a showdown with Cato in his apartment, and they'd just totally wreck the house. Yeah. And it'd go into slow motion. <laughs> have you ever seen Being There? <laughs> yeah, Being There is great. I love it. And They even did a, I think HBO made a film about him, The Life and Death with Jeffrey Rush as Peter Sellers. They did. Yeah, that was pretty good, too. Pretty telling. I like the party. I like that too. Not a very politically correct movie for today's audience, but <laughs> 1980. Yeah, <laughs> very fun. That Blake Edwards again. Blake Edwards. Oh, it's a great combo. That's you know that's kind of a team that you know they worked well together. I mean, even early stuff like from the 60s with Goldie Hawn. There's a girl in my soup and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I just find him wildly entertaining. Mm-hmm. So he's my number three. Excellent. All right, here we go. You set it up. Here it is. Who's All right, your at, number three. Ask me that question again. <laughs> No. Here's why Jesse has such an interest in slapstick comedy. Go. Excellent. It's the Three Stooges. Yeah, they're they're my number three. And I'll tell you why. I don't remember. This is like 92, 93. My dad taped. They had a marathon on the TBS. You remember when it used to be called the Superstation? I do. Ted Turner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had a, a Three Stooges curly all-nighter from like seven in the morning to like seven the next morning. And my dad just like taped the whole thing. And so I used to watch that tape to death. I still have it uh, somewhere around here. And it had all the commercials in it, so you can totally carbon date when that thing took place. There's, like, ads for RoboCop 3 in there. Mm. And then I, I, I would, like, fuck up the tape because, like, my knee would hit the remote on the record and it would start recording what was on the TV there. So there, there's gaps in there where it's all messed up. But it's black and white comedy. I think it's great for... For children, just because they're like 17 to 20 minute segments, so you don't have to commit to like a full feature length film. I think the physical, the slaps, the the knucks, the eye pokes is very appealing to, especially myself at that age. There was something about physical humor that just totally got a chuckle out of me. And as I got older, and I, Matt, I, I still watch them. I still watch them all the time. Like if I'm just like bored one day, I'll just go get the DVDs and I'll pop a couple on and I'll, I laugh like it's like the first time I'm seeing it now in my adult age, what strikes me the most about it is those are again, depression era, Columbia shorts, 1935 to 19. They went on into the fifties, but those early ones in the thirties, the, the Stooges, uh, Mo, Larry, and Curly, that's the lineup I'm, I'm putting in my, my my Mount Rushmore. They're always looking for jobs, poor. They have socks in their holes. They're always picketing for, for change on the, on the side. They were struggling for money just like much of the United States at that point. Sure. And I think they were very relatable at the time. You know, they're playing Three Stooges shorts before... It happened one night and before the big films like and the newsreel and the war, the wartime footage. And I just thought they were really relatable to the people of the time. And whether they're going to the army, they're playing football, they, they could spin off into so many different scenarios that were just endlessly enjoyable. They do do a good job of reflecting the times. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to show that in a different light because I think it helps to let everybody work their way through it with a good laugh. There's nothing that's better for you than a good laugh. Yeah. And when you, and then when you kind of break down the contract that they had with Columbia, now you're looking at a contract studio actor, those guys work their ass off. Mm-hmm. They, they were churning out shorts like nobody's business. 
on on a yearly basis, and that it's kind of what did Curly. Like Curly had a had a heart attack, and then they brought Champ in, and he had a stroke. Like it was such a hard pace to work at that it ultimately did them in. When did they finish? When did their run finish? They finished in the, the mid fifties with the shorts, and then they went on and made some uh, feature films with Curly Joe. But I I I tuned out way before then. Thirty five to like. 47 the last shimp era that's my that's my era of stooge your go-to that's my go-to nice yeah you've seen my three stooges christmas ornament i have <laughs> i have yeah yep good number two for me mm-hmm. jason seagal uh, we talked a little bit about maybe the connections between tv and film and how people go back and forth and everyone knows him from how i met your mother mm-hmm. that's a show i've never watched a single episode of <laughs> I'm not, I can't really I think I've, you. I think I've seen like five or six. Okay, not yeah. many for you either. Yeah. I have watched a lot of Dispatches from Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of that show. If you guys aren't watching that, that's one you should look into now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, obviously, we talked about how much I love Sarah Marshall. Well, and then he got started with Freaks and Geeks. Right, Freaks and Geeks, yeah. Bad Teacher, mm-hmm. Sex Tape was pretty forgettable, I Love You Man coming up this weekend. Yes. Uh, five-year engagement, Knocked Up, This Is 40, get him to the Greek, what that could have been and what that wasn't. Um, we can go on and on and on and on. You know what, what, which one of his I like is, um, and I'm not a Muppet guy at all, but that Muppet reboot that he's in, yep. actually pretty tolerable. <laughs> I like the idea in that movie, which is put your bootstrap, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and keep going. Man. Yeah. Okay, so I think Jason Segal is very similar to today's era of old Jack Lemon. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. Not the best looking. Mm-hmm. Not terrible looking, doesn't have the best body, um, but really good with that tool yeah. and able to use it. And very, both of those guys, very expressive facial expressions, oh, yeah. right? That's really good with their part faces. Of it. There's no question with Jason Segal, you always know where you stand with him in a film mm-hmm. just by his facial, you know, portrayals. Mm-hmm. I, what can I say? I really, really, really. We'll see anything he's in, and I don't ever turn it off. I just find him very, very comedic. Have you seen that one I, I saw recently? Kind of a little more indie. It's uh, Jeff Who Lives at Home. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. yeah he was pretty good in that. Ed Helms. Two oh, of them. I should see that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Yeah. No, he's, yeah, he's he's really good. And yeah, I, I saw Freaks and Geeks first, which is just such an interesting one-season show that introduced a lot of, like, today's current Loaded with talent. talent. Big time, Yeah. And it didn't last like one iota. But he's he's good in that. Love Sarah Marshall. You're fucking Billy Baldwin, aren't you? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. He's he's really good. I wish he'd kind of step back into I would like more films too, like like a Sarah Marshall or a... as crazy as it sounds. And Sarah Marshall, that that puppet show at the end, <laughs> I think is where you start to kind of see where some of his interests were. Because if the the stories on that are true. Mm-hmm. That was him just finding a way to work that in. That wasn't in the original script, and he found a way to get it in there. He really likes the production piece. Mm -hmm. He's a little bit odd. Yeah. I mean, if you've seen Dispatches, Mm -hmm. which you need to see, you can tell he's kind of a bit odd. Mm -hmm. Directorial, producer, he's kind of in that vein right now, but he'll come back. Yeah. Just too talented as a character on screen to not. Yeah. I I like it when, like, I like Cary Grant for... His comedic things sometimes too, like the physical nature that he could go about it. Mm-hmm. But Cary Grant is almost disarming because he's so devastatingly handsome. Yeah, he's just that good-looking guy. Mm-hmm. 
Jason Segal is the antithesis of that. Oh, yeah. He's kind of schlubby, probably doesn't do a lot of ab work, and he's good with that because it allows him to sort of use it in a toned-down Jack Black or Chris Farley sort of way. I'm going to close on that. That's really good. My number two. Excellent. Okay, your turn. All right. We're getting to the 50s, at least, with my next entry. <laughs> Lucille Ball. I have to thank my dad and my mom for a lot of these because one of the other things, you know, we were fortunate enough to have cable growing up. I remember when TV Land became a station, and they used to show good stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember used to sitting down with my dad to watch um, Happy Days, um, uh, Sanford and Son, Hogan's Heroes, and like all those types of shows from that era. But Lucy was one of them. And Lucille Ball's type of comedy is also, you could almost kind of put in the physical realm, and maybe that's kind of where my choices kind of lie. But what that television show kind of kind of did, and, and you know, pick your poison or any scenarios, whether it's Vitamita Medjamin or, you know, the, the the chocolate conveyor belt scene, and the episode that always sticks out to me is when she... They try to get Superman for little Ricky's birthday and he's not going to show up. So she does and she gets stuck on the window seal. But then somehow the real Superman shows up <laughs> and it's just such a mess. But I, it's, she was just so affectionate with the way that she uh, provided uh, her humor. And for a show that went on for many, many years and some of the seasons of that show are actually total like story arcs. Like there's just like one season of the show where they're like in, in Europe or one where they're like in, in, in Hollywood, in L.A., and that's the whole arc of the show. I think effortlessly popular, and for you know, a female comedian to really kind of um, kind of make her own, I think you know, a lot of the, you know, whether it's Kristen Wiig or Tina Fey or any of the ones kind of work, I think they all kind of hold the candle to Lucille Ball from way back in the day. And then bringing the comedy into the homes with television. We're not in the theater anymore. Now we're at, at, in the comfort of your home every Thursday at 7 o'clock. This classic Mount Rushmore of comedy that you're building, my friend. Mm-hmm. So if we're heading on in the time machine, then like Gabe Kaplan should be next for you, like with uh, <laughs> Welcome Back, Cotter. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it would be like All in the Family, right? Wouldn't that be the next? Oh one? my gosh! Yeah, okay, <laughs> go with that one. <laughs> oh God, Gabe Kaplan. Oh, meathead. All right. Yeah, Lucille Ball. Right. <clears throat> I'm not going to argue with you again. Not my cup of tea. That physical thing like we talked about, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that. Yeah, hugely important, and also really important in that she's the featured character, and it's a she. Yeah, I think that's groundbreaking in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we could do I Dream of Jeannie, and there's a few others, but all of those are only around because of what Lucille Ball did. Mm-hmm. Desi Arnaz took the back seat. She had the front and the set and, and the console. <laughs> she's in the back seat. De- she's definitely. got the co-pilot and yeah, she's masterful. She's almost like a victim of circumstance in that show. Like as much as he tries hard and like just p- terrible things just happen. Like, yeah. And you know, the vitamin to Medjamin was going to have like 10% alcohol content. <laughs> right. <laughs> In high school, we did a like a recreation for uh, for a decades history project, and we got the fifties, and we totally did like a remake of that. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. Number one. Okay. You have no idea where I'm going with this. I bet I don't. Jason Bateman. Look, Arrested Development. That's why I allowed the TV thing to sort of happen earlier because everyone's like knows him from that, and 
it's your move way back when I was a kid. But look, Game Night, uh, Bad Words, you know how much I love that film. Horrible Bosses would be a brilliant movie if it wasn't for fucking Charlie Day. Ugh. <laughs> Hancock, which is, a, I think, really underappreciated film. Um, Identity Thief. I mentioned Change Up earlier. I really like that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could just go on and on and on with this you know, list of stuff. And even the one that is kind of the recognized movie that's critically acclaimed, which Juno is not my favorite of it. He's still good in that. That movie just sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, man, it's dry again. So that's kind of where you like kind of the bit more physical. I like it dry and kind of punchy. Yeah. And he delivers in spades. He's good at it too. He is really good at it. Um, whereas I think like Ryan Reynolds is really good with what he says. Like his words paint a nice picture. Mm-hmm. I think Jason Bateman is equally good in the space of quiet. He's got that way of delivering one line and then that little pause with a kind of cocked eyebrow that just speaks volumes. He's very good with being quiet. It seems weird to say in comedy. It works in Ozark too. Yeah. I'll see just about anything that he's in I'll at least give it a shot. And there's not anything, even as much as I don't like Juno, I can't say that's a terrible movie. It's just not my cup of tea. I think he's really smart too. I think that's the other thing that a lot of these characters we're talking about all share. They're, they're very smart. Yeah. From directing to producing to writing to resurrecting a career that was dead. I mean, dead. His sister had a better career than he did at one point. Mm-hmm. Justine Bateman yeah. has, had more going for her than he did. Yeah. It was that Teen Wolf 2. Yeah. And then just kind of out of... It was Arrested Development that really brought him back. Fantastic and show. It's a great show. Love it. Yeah, those first three seasons, that's it's really good. And then it just it got killed. It got canned. And everyone loved it. And then Didn't it, it get killed a couple times and they brought it back as well? And they brought it back to Netflix. And it's, it's kind of not great on Netflix. I think you're right. They did bring it back to Netflix. Yeah. But I think before they got rid of it on Fox, mm-hmm. I think they had killed it and then brought it back sort of killing style on AMC. Fox does that a lot with shows. Like they'll kill their own show and then bring it back. They did the same thing with Family Guy for like one season, canceled it, brought it back for like another 20 years. How about that? So, okay, Fox, thanks for bringing it back. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a good cast with him too, though, in Arrested Development. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are really funny in that film that I don't know if have gone on to terrific heights of great, 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 but he wrote a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's conceptually mostly him. Yeah. I think he's fantastic. No, he's really good. He, he always stands that way. Yeah. Horrible Boss. Yeah. Game Night. Those ones are really great. Yeah. yeah. He's just got a real interesting way on delivering his humor. It's never in your face, it's always. A bit dry, like you said. Yeah, you picked a lot of dry comics. <laughs> like it's it's dry, dry humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm gonna go. All right, excellent. Number right. one, my number one. This maybe has had the most profound influence on my entire life, and it's probably shaped me into the man I am today. But number one for me is Jerry Seinfeld. And well, you said you know you did at least done some movies like B movie and whatnot, but I'm primarily talking about his run on Seinfeld, co-created with Larry David, and that just type of nonsensical humor and it's just literally it's about nothing it's about everyday scenarios and finding and then when you just go through life you realize oh my god like this is just like that that show i'm living like a sitcom and they they play it off so well he also has a great supporting cast and i'll be the first one to tell you that he's the worst actor of the four in that entire show but the show doesn't exist without him right 
and his ability to write a lot of those scenarios. And Larry David gets a lot of credit for that too, as he should, because he, he based a lot of that on shit that he actually did. It's a crazy <laughs> man. Just to kind of think the legacy of that show from 89 to 98, man, man, in the final season, the Jerry was pulling in like two to three million per episode on that thing. And they wanted another season. They said, no, we're done. Like we're all tapped out. For syndication, I think they sold it to Hulu, the last contract, for $500 million. Good God. And they just sold it again to Netflix for like another like four to five or $600 million. Jesus. That's a lot of money for eight years of work. For making a show about nothing. <laughs> Literally. Like, I learned the rule too. If you want your show to be syndicated, the rule's 100. You have to make it to 100 episodes. Mm. So once you, that's the magic number, you get it. And then literally that's where you make your royalty rights as you sell it off to the network. And then they're just, you're just raking in the buku bucks at that point. That's where the real money is. It's in television. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) But I just, for a show that I think was totally game changing when it came out. And then when I saw it in middle school, which is kind of really, it really impacted like my outlook on life, on dating, on just. Oh my gosh. Yeah, just like how I act and this and that. Like I, I can't tell you how many scenarios that have like almost like come true. But then the the stuff that I've been able to just kind of pickpocket out of my own life and being like, wow, that's just kind of like the show actually. Soup Nazi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe not so not quite like Soup Nazi, but yeah, there's been stuff like that. It's good. Mm-hmm. But that th- that's been the comedy that's just that's impacted how I how I view comedy. There's there's many better comics that have done it better since then. Like I love Peter Sellers. I wanted to put Peter Sellers on my list, but I, I didn't grow up with that the way I, I did with these five. I think between the two of us, that's 10 mountain Titans of comedy. Mm-hmm. And there's some obvious omissions here. There's no Steve Martin. There's no Dan Aykroyd. There's no I can't Bill do, Murray. I can't do Steve Martin. I mean, either there's no Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of not in this. Yeah. So I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Of the five you gave. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Actually, let me ask you this, then I'll ask you this. Can I one. say one thing real quick? Yeah, of course. The, another one who was dangerously close to sneaking in was Harold Ramis as a writer slash actor. Really? Whether it's Animal House, Ghostbusters, uh, Caddyshack, Groundhog Day. I, I, I really like the type of humor, but then he's bringing in that variety type humor from it. Second City TV, that those SNL type of things. So the one that would be my honorable mention would be Chevy Chase. We talked about what an <laughs> asshole he is in real life, but I love Modern Problems. Yeah. I, you know, I love him in Caddyshack. Vacation. Um, well, come on. I mean, we can just. But mm-hmm. he's not going to make the list. Yeah. So I, I have one question for you, and then okay. I have a like a larger sum total. Okay. I know that Jerry Seinfeld is probably number one, if not close to number one, on your list. Would you rather sit down and have a meal with Jerry Seinfeld or Steve Carell? Which of those two guys would you rather break some bread with over lunch? I don't need to know why, just which one. Probably Jerry Seinfeld. Would beat Steve Carell. Mm-hmm. Really? Okay. I hear Steve Carell's like Steve Carell's like the nicest guy in Hollywood. So I've heard. Yeah. That could be pleasant. It could be. <laughs> a pleasant lunch. It could be a very pleasant lunch. Yeah. All right, ready for the second one? Yes. Wait, what, what about you? What about, Which one of yours would you like to have lunch with? Out of all those, probably good. Peter Sellers would be a lot of fun to have lunch. <laughs> well, because I was going to ask you, okay, so I wanted to just pose that, and then I'll give you the same questions you gave me. Can I have two of them? Yeah. If I could go to lunch with two of those guys, yeah. 
the two guys I would go with would be Peter Sellers and Jack Lemon. Uh, That's great. the two guys I would go with. Be pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. I think partly because of my love for film, there would be so many good stories and having the ability to, to deliver the story and make it funny. Mm-hmm. Cause you know that Jack Lemon has a million stories yes. just from on the set. If we just did his wilder films alone, mm-hmm. yeah, right? you'd be what, what was Shirley MacLaine like? What was Monroe like? Tell me all of Tony Curtis's craziness that we see as an older man. It'd be a uh, long lunch. And oh yeah, <laughs> and then Peter Sellers. And you know, the other one too, that I know we're going back here. I'm going back a little bit with honorable mention that just missed. And I just could do it. Cause a little of some of the guys you said go a long way for me. Um, a medium amount of this guy goes a really long way for me, and that's Robin Williams. Yeah, just missed. I wanted. I thought about him too, but I don't know if I could do. I might be able to do lunch with him because then, like after ninety this, minutes, I could go. This is weird though. I like him more as a serious actor. I like Goodwill Hunting. I like Insomnia, One Hour Photo. And those are some pretty heavy films. Like, <laughs> but he works well in that space. Dead Poet Society. Well, for as much as Mrs. Doubtfire is kind of like group like frowned upon yeah that's actually a really good movie with a really sad Mm -hmm. through line in it yeah the only way this guy gets to see his kids is dress up like british cow yeah man it's been a long time since i've seen that movie and i know his boobs catch on fire and all of that (laughs) robin williams had that sort of tragedy going through him Mm -hmm. and i think that movie in a strange way really kind of capitalized on that yeah my daughter loves Jumanji, so oh, we watched the original one. He's great in that. He's really good in that. Yeah. But not good enough to make my Mount Rushmore. Yeah. I'm sorry, Robin. God rest your soul. Work Mindy. Nanu, nanu. Booty, booty. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> A lot of cocaine on that oh, television I, series. I can imagine. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What was your? That's the same question. Two of your five, the mm-hmm. two you want to go have lunch with. Oh, go have lunch with. Yeah. Man, Charlie Chaplin, that would be that'd be a good lunch. And yeah, I'm gonna have to pick a stooge or, or Groucho Marx too. Chaplin and Marx? I think so. Groucho Marx mm-hmm. and Charlie Chaplin. Yep. Groucho Marx would just be happy to be eating. Yeah. He wouldn't pick up the tab though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. And then he'd have some great quip and I'd be okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, and then Charlie Chaplin just like, yeah, just kind of like banished from the United States for so many years. Have you ever seen like when the Academy Awards gave him like an honor, they gave him like an eight minute standing ovation. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. Strange. Yeah. Yeah. Comedy reaches all kinds of just genres, whether it's slapstick or ronge or the sex comedies or just everything we've been talking about in this little cask. And so many great actors have kind of come in between all that. This is a fun conversation because it really got me thinking like we're, we're, or my comedy roots, like where does that come from? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it comes back from like the nineteen, like the dawn of of sound and film, mm-hmm. and it's simple, a slap to the face. How it's, did you come to your first Chaplin? Like, where did you? Was that Duck Soup? Probably. No, 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 no. Well, that's Marx Brothers. I mean, yeah. Uh, the first Chaplin I saw was uh, the Gold Rush. How did you find that film? And that was just we had. Well, we had turn in the cable again. We had Turner Classic Movie, yeah. so yeah. I I benefited. AMC every Saturday morning from eight to ten o'clock ran two hours of the Three Stooges, so I got to catch it there. But if I didn't already have it all recorded 
elsewhere. Mm-hmm. There's that. Good. <laughs> Excellent. Cheers, Matt. I love your I love your Mount Rushmore. Yours too. We can have a North by Northwest scene on top of this new Mount Rushmore. Ooh, It'll like hopefully it. be a lot more funnier than North by Northwest. Indeed. Excellent. We'll see you all next time. Take care, everybody.